News of the Times, Murderous Mondays, The Bloody Trunk Murder. Welcome to News of the Times. In today's episode, it is 1889, with the horrors of Jack the Ripper still fresh in the public mind. In Montmartre in France, a notorious womanizing bailiff disappears. The story grips the headlines quickly as on the surface, given his infamous womanizing ways, it is supposed the story will be of intrigue, illicit love and a jealous husband. But no. The bizarre case that unfolds becomes the story of its day in France, easily eclipsing the Jack the Ripper headlines as the victim's naked body, bound by rope, is found in a bag and under a hedge several hundred miles away. What unfolds is a truly bizarre killing and an international chase across three continents to catch the killer couple. The infamous bloody trunk murder of 1889 Paris is today's episode of Murderous Mondays. We hope you enjoy the show. The background. Gabrielle Bompard grew up in northern France, where her father worked as a metal dealer and his mistress, with whom she had a contentious relationship. Gabrielle was of a spirited nature. Upon release from a series of boarding schools and convents from which she grew up in, Gabrielle, at the age of twenty, sets off to Paris with a little money which quickly evaporates in the expensive capital. Here, 20-year-old Gabrielle meets married 50-ish Michel Ayrode, who wines and dines young and naive Gabrielle. Ayrode, a seasoned swindler himself, soon finds himself on a legal and financial precipice as he is accused of fraud from some of his previous shady dealings. In need of some quick cash, he entwines young Gabrielle into a ploy to attract rich businessmen and steal their money. The blueprint appeared deceptively straightforward. Gabrielle would ensnare a wealthy suitor, leading him to an apartment where, in a macabre twist, robbery and murder awaited. The simplicity of the plan belied the intricate details that would unfold in its execution. Venturing across the Channel to London, the aspiring criminals embarked on a shopping spree, acquiring a capacious trunk, fabric for a makeshift body bag, and a chilling array of tools, a rope, a pulley, and a silk cord fashioned into a noose. Upon their return to Paris, Erod meticulously rigged the scene, securing the pulley to a crossbeam and shrouding an alcove with a discreet curtain, concealing a chair and the ominous hanging apparatus. Awaiting the unsuspected victim, the duo now faced the crucial task of luring a man both flush with funds and susceptible to the allure 
of Gabrielle. With this plan in mind, their gaze settled upon Toussaint Augustine Gouffet, a notorious philanderer with an apparent weakness for Gabrielle's charms. Bailiff Gouffet is a respectable widower raising two young girls. Gouffet is an extraordinary womanizer with a documented dalliance with twenty women in the month preceding his demise. He readily succumbed to Gabrielle's invitation for a seemingly romantic, candlelit evening, unwittingly stepping into the web meticulously woven by the aspiring criminals. Pretty and young, Gabrielle finds it easy to entice him with a promise of afternoon delights. The scene is set. From the Nottingham Evening Post, the 30th of July, 1889, a Paris mystery. The disappearance of Monsieur Gouffet, a process server, or a bailiff, is creating quite a sensation in Paris. He left his house in Rue Rogemont, number 13, last Friday, and has not been heard since. It is feared he has been made away with, as he had no reason to leave his home in such a sudden manner. He was a widower, 48 years of age, with two young daughters. Interestingly, France has a new police chief, Monsieur Goron, who has recently visited London on the heels of the horrific series of Jack the Ripper slayings, in which he has thrown his full support behind the English police in their handling of the murders. The two police commissioners have agreed to support each other across the Channel. From the London Daily Chronicle, the 10th of October, 1889. The family of Monsieur Gouffet, the bailiff, have offered a reward of 10,000 francs for any information leading to the discovery of his whereabouts. This fact may have some interest to English readers, seeing that if Monsieur Gouffet has not been the victim of a tragedy, he is generally believed by the French police authorities to be in London. A naked body is found several hundred miles away in a Victorian version of a body bag. The body is bound in rope and has been strangled. Two weeks later, an abandoned trunk is found reeking of death. The trunk has a tag glued to its exterior, indicating the route of Paris to Lyon on the 27th of July, 1889. High-level forensic examinations for the time are made, and the decomposing hair that was found on the naked trust body is compared with hairs from Gouffet's comb. It is a match. Gouffet has been found. From the London Daily Chronicle, the 11th of November, 1889, Monsieur Goron, the chief of the detective service, is gradually unravelling the mystery which surrounds the disappearance of Monsieur Gouffet. It appears probable that the remains found in a wood near Lyon 
are those of Monsieur Gouffre, who was murdered in Paris in a house near the Place de la République. The police have a clue to the murderers who are being watched, but who have not yet been arrested. A clerk deposed that he was asked to give a letter to Monsieur Gouffre on July the 26th outside the Café Véron. The bailiff left the friend with whom he was seated and went off with an individual who was waiting for him. A man named Erod, who is strongly suspected of being one of the murderers, disappeared a few hours after Monsieur Gouffre. He did military service in Mexico in 1866 and is believed to have returned there. Madame Erod is also missing. A warrant is out for the arrest of two persons whose names are, for obvious reasons, kept back by the police. The case is very much in the public eye, and Monsieur Goron is determined not to find himself in the same position as many of the unfortunate police officials have been on the Ripper case in London. Round-the-clock investigations are in place. With the body of Monsieur Gouffet confirmed, police are able to piece together the likely involvement of Monsieur Erode and his supposed wife, Gabrielle Bompard. But both persons have vanished. Following the clues, the suspected killing couple are traced to London. From the echo the London on the 5th of December, 1889, the murder of Monsieur Gouffet. The clue to the murder of Monsieur Gouffet, the French bailiff, is now said to be in London. A French family living in Gower Street have had Monsieur Michel Herod and his mistress, Gabrielle Bompard, as lodgers. They recognise the portmanteau now at the morgue and say that the couple left for Paris about the 14th of July. The English police are said to be giving valuable aid to Monsieur Goron, and there is still some hope of finding out Erard's whereabouts, especially as he has been traced to the neighbourhood of Saint-Malo. Monsieur Goron is also certain that he knows the house where the unfortunate process server was murdered. The cabman, Laforge, who took the portmanteau containing the remains to Millery, near Lyon, is to be brought to Paris today so as to be in the hands of the examining magistrate who is investigating the case. Back in France... The investigations into Gouffre's mysterious vanishing commenced with an ominous silence, a puzzle missing its vital pieces. It wasn't until weeks later that the decomposed body discovered near Lyon became the linchpin connecting the dots to the absent man. Thanks to the shrewd intuition of François-Marie Goron, the distinguished head of the Paris Sûreté, and hesitant to leverage the power of the press, Goron enlisted public collaboration, and a captivated audience eagerly embraced the opportunity. 
The reconstructed bloody trunk unveiled for public scrutiny at the Paris morgue became a macabre spectacle that held the city enthralled for a week. Thousands, both French and international spectators, queued patiently for hours, drawn by morbid curiosity. The names Michel Hérode and Gabriel Bompard reverberated through the crowd, conspicuously absent since Gouffet's disappearance in July. The ensuing manhunt unfolded like a gripping saga, spanning across France, England, and the vast expanse of America. Detectives returning from each leg of the chase brought with them a trove of information, leaving no room for doubt regarding the couple's complicity in Gouffray's murder. Long before Gabrielle's anticipated return to French soil, both she and Erod had ascended to the dubious distinction of the world's most wanted criminals, their infamy echoing across continents. From the Halstead Gazette on the 5th of December, 1889, flocking to the morgue, the Paris morgue is very much frequented just now. Ten thousand people, mostly women, visited the place on Saturday in order to see the trunk in which the body of Monsieur Gouffet, the murdered process server of the Faubourg Montmartre, was found at Millery. Among the persons who awaited their turns to enter the morgue, both Saturday and Sunday, were dandies in furred coats, sad fashion plates, whose elegant and elaborate millinery was displayed in striking contrast with the thousand poorer in shreds and patches around them. Only ten or eleven persons were admitted to see the trunk at a time. The article has been exhibited at the instance of Monsieur Goron, the head of the detective department, who expects to find a clue at the morgue to help him in tracing the murderer or murderers of Monsieur Gouffray. He hopes that the cabman who drove the assassin to the station may identify the trunk. In the meantime, the killing couple are on the run. Disguised as Monsieur Labaudier and his supposed son, the enigmatic couple disembarked in Dover, their identities concealed beneath a facade of normalcy. Gabrielle, her once flowing locks shorn, effortlessly assumed the role of a young boy. Within days, they seamlessly transitioned onto a transatlantic steamer bound for Canada. Now assuming the personas of E. B. Vanerd, a purported wealthy businessman, and his daughter, Bertha. The journey traced a trajectory from Quebec to Montreal, onwards to Vancouver, culminating in the vibrant city of San Francisco. Along the way, serendipity entwined their fates with Georges Garanger, affluent Frenchman ensnared by Gabrielle's beguiling charms. 
Erode, the puppeteer orchestrating their elaborate ruse, envisage Garanger as the next unsuspecting victim in a sinister plot of deceit and murder. But Erode's machinations fail as Gabrielle begins to fall in love with wealthy Garanger. Gabrielle, in essence, dumps Erode and commits herself to a new love, Garanger. Erode's plot has Gabrielle bringing Garanger to New York, where Erode is waiting for them. There, the plan is to take all his money and murder him. Gabrielle, during the voyage there, was to inveigle how and where he kept his money. But Ayod's plan backfires, as Gabrielle falls for Garanger's charms. Instead of New York, where Ayod is waiting, the duo embarking on a voyage back to Europe. During the transatlantic crossing, Gabrielle gradually unburdens herself to Garanger, revealing the sinister reality of their shared past. The full weight of the deception only crystallized for Garanger upon their arrival in the City of Lights, Paris. Embracing the role of Erod's supposed victim, Gabrielle orchestrated dramatic surrender to the authorities with her new steadfast lover, Garanger, faithfully by her side. The ensuing frenzy, ignited by the press and fueled by public fascination, reached a fever pitch. Unfazed by the gravity of the charges levied against her, Gabrielle appeared to thrive on the notoriety that surrounded her. Every public appearance, whether a sombre transfer from prison to the hallowed halls of the Palace de Justice or a visit to the crime scenes, commanded a rapt audience. Gabrielle's image graced the pages of print media and even the minutest detail of her life, from her carefully curated wardrobe to the choices on her plate, became the subject of keen public interest. Delighted in the attention bestowed upon her, Gabrielle skilfully endeavoured to charm the ever-growing crowd that assembled to witness her every move. In the midst of legal tumult, she deftly navigated the theatrics of public attention, transforming her predicament into a spectacle that captured the collective imagination. Having given herself into the police willingly and also artfully making full use of the press, Gabrielle weaves an account of what happened on the night of the gruesome murder. The plan according to Gabrielle. Initially, the meticulously crafted plan unfolded seamlessly. Gabrielle, adorned in a dressing gown, fastened with the silk cord, adeptly guided Gouffet to a chaise longue positioned beside the discreetly shrouded alcove. Her assigned role entailed the playful enactment of tying the silk cord into a noose and delicately slipping it over the unsuspecting victim's head. However, a pivotal moment marred the script. 
Gabrielle, as she later recounted, found herself paralysed, and Aeord ruthlessly seized control. In the ensuing struggle, the pulley, strained by the weight of Gouffre, faltered, causing him to plummet to the floor. The plan veered off course, compelling Aeord to resort to manual strangulation to bring their dark design to its deathly conclusion. A night of restless solitude unfolded for Gabrielle, left alone to grapple with the chilling contents of a trunk housing Gouffet's lifeless body. Meanwhile, Aeorod, seemingly unaffected by the grim events, retreated to the conjugal comforts of his marital bed. His unsuspecting wife later attested to the incongruity of the evening, noting his resounding snores that betrayed no hint of the sinister tableau that had transpired. With the dawn's light, the conspiring couple enlisted the services of a cab, orchestrating the clandestine transportation of the ominous trunk to a train bound for Lyon. Upon arrival, a rented vehicle became the vessel for the journey to a secluded locale perched above a river. The lifeless form of Gouffet met its final descent down a precipitous embankment, orchestrated by the nefarious duo. Erod then set about obliterating the traces of their malevolent enterprise. The trunk was discarded along a distant roadside. With Gabrielle's story hitting all the headlines internationally, Erod realises he has been duped, and he is a highly wanted man. Dumped in New York and aware that police will be searching for him there, Erod swiftly seeks sanctuary in Cuba as he makes a desperate bid to elude the inexorable pursuit. However, fortune proved elusive, and Erod's escape was short-lived, culminating in his ignominious capture in Havana. Locked in a cage, he, he was returned unceremoniously to the shores of France. The handwriting on the wall spelled out the irrevocable seal of his fate. From the graphic, the 31st of May, 1890, an epidemic of sensational murders in Paris has followed closely on the news that Erod, the assassin of Monsieur Gouffre, has been captured at Havana. He was passing as a Pole, and when arrested tried to commit suicide by opening his veins with a broken eyeglass, but the attempt was stopped and he now awaits extradition. Caught and trying desperately to change the murderous narrative from that which has been spelled out by the petite Gabrielle, Erod paints a completely different picture as to what happened to the intended victim, Gouffre. From the Stockton Herald, South Durham and Cleveland Advertiser, the 21st of June... 1890. The Gouffre murder, how the body was disposed of, 
An extract has been published in Paris from Havana newspaper giving in detail Herod's version of the murder of Gouffre as furnished in an interview to one of the editors. According to report, Herod said, When I entered the house I heard loud bursts of laughter. Bottles of champagne were being opened, and Gabrielle came to me, handed me the keys, and sent me to fetch some papers belonging to Gouffre. I went to the latter's residence, and the porter tried to prevent me from entering. I pushed him to one side, and he fell senseless to the ground. Once in the office, I opened everything, but uselessly I could not find the papers. I heard a noise, and I left the place and joined Gabrielle. I hunted everywhere, I said to her, but uselessly. I did not find the papers. Then Gabrielle lifted up her arms and said, Look. I lifted up my eyes, and I saw Gouffre hanging by the neck, his tongue protruding. Who hanged him? I asked. I will tell you afterwards, replied Gabrielle. Now help me place him in the trunk. You cannot imagine, continued Erod, how difficult it is to place a body in a sack. We lowered Gouffre's body, and we tried in vain to place it in a sack, and then we hung the body up again. When up, it was easier to get it into the sack. Then followed the difficult operation of placing it in the trunk. Without letting go of the rope, we lowered the body already in the sack, little by little, until we placed it horizontally over the trunk. On its edges, the legs and shoulders rested. I pushed it down to the bottom by pressing upon it, and the body touched the bottom of the trunk. But the legs were very stiff, and the head remained outside the trunk. We'll be back after a quick break. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Then Gabrielle proposed to cut his head off in order to be able to shut down the lid. I continued my efforts and by exerting extraordinary strength, I succeeded in getting the head inside. We then closed the lid, and Gabrielle told me that she would keep the trunk. So we placed it beside her couch, and I went home to bed. I slept profoundly. What ensues is a case of he said, she said, as two former lovers and international criminals attempt to save their respective heads from execution. From the Daily Gazette for Middlesbrough, the 24th of January, 1890, the murder of a sheriff officer, a woman turns informer. Gabrielle Bompard, the mistress of the man Erod, who is suspected of being the murderer of Monsieur Gouffre, a sheriff's officer, 
whose body was found in a trunk which has been sent from Paris to Lyon, gave herself up to the police yesterday. She declares that she travelled from New Orleans to Quebec and thence to Paris in order to give the true story of the murder of Monsieur Gouffray. She asserts that she was an unconscious accomplice of Hérode. She states that Hérode, who assumed the name of La Baudière and passed her off as his daughter, hired a small furnished apartment in the Rue Tronçon du Cadre, a short half-desert street in the Madeleine district. On arrival in Lyon, Gabrielle says that she was left a day and a night at the hotel by her lover. They then started for Marseille and afterwards visited London, Liverpool, Quebec and San Francisco. At all these places, Erod called her his daughter, but he treated her very badly. At San Francisco, they met a French gentleman who took a liking to her. Erod wanted her to ensnare her new lover so that he could murder him as he did Gouffray. She not only refused, but revealed everything to the gentleman who strongly urged her to return to France with him and make a clean breast of it. Strangely enough, Erod himself has written to Monsieur Goron from New York, offering to face Gabriel Bompard if he receives a promise that he will not be arrested. Another account says that Gabriel has at length confessed that she saw the crime committed by Erod and a fair man. They strangled him, then stripped the body, rifled the pockets, which only contained 150 francs, and then put the remains in the box and went away, locking her up in their apartment. Had the woman Bompard not returned, the crime would have been classified as undiscovered. Monsieur Goron had offered to send detectives to South America, but the authorities believed that there was no reason to go to the expense of so long a journey. Gabrielle Bompard looks thinner than her portraits, and she has had her hair dyed red. She saw the account of the murder in the papers, and at once wrote to the prefect of police, promising to come to Paris. The letter was treated as a hoax, but on the day fixed, the woman arrived. The trial of Michel Hérode and Gabrielle Bompard is the trial of the century at the time, eagerly followed on both sides of the channel. From the Glasgow Evening Post, the 17th of December, 1890, the Gouffre murder, extraordinary scene in court. The trial of Michel Hérode and Gabrielle Bompard for the murder of a process server named Gouffre in a house in the Rue Tronendo Cordre in July last year was opened yesterday before Assizes Court of the Department of the Seine. In answer to interrogation, Erod said that Gabrielle spoke to him of the process server Gouffre, saying he is rich, suppose we kill him. The prisoner agreed after being informed 
how well-to-do Gouffray was. Without betraying the slightest trace of emotion, Herod then proceeded to tell how he and Gabrielle hired a room to which they decided to lure Gouffray, and gave a description of the scene of the murder, explaining how the pulley was fixed to the wall behind a curtain by himself and Gabrielle, and how she passed the noose of the girdle which worked on the pulley round Gouffray's neck, and finally how their victim was strangled almost without a struggle. Erod went on to say that he endeavoured to resuscitate him because he had not wished to kill him, but merely to frighten him in order to obtain his money. Then followed an extraordinary scene. The presiding judge gave orders for the trunk, which had so long been standing in view of all, to be opened. A loud murmur of excited expectancy passed through the court, and everybody pressed forward to see inside the box, whose dreadful history had been narrated with such sangfroid by the principal in the crime under investigation. The spectators, many of them, were inclined to noisy demonstration, almost lost control in their excitement, and the ushers had difficulty in restoring silence and order. The prisoner Bombard maintained that she took no part in the crime and did not know what was the use to be made of the cord which Erod brought with him. Erod gave an account of his visit to America after the murder and then went to San Francisco, where they met Garanger. Gabriel Bompard stated that at that period Erod had come to the end of his resources and thought of obtaining more money by murdering Garanger. Erod, however, formally denied this. It is difficult for anyone to believe that young and physically small Gabrielle could possibly have strangled Gouffet, who was a much larger man. The jury, for the most part, believe Gabrielle's story. Erod is condemned to death, and Gabrielle receives twenty years' imprisonment. From the Colonial Standard on the 23rd of December, 1890, Paris dispatches state that Erod has been condemned to death and Bompard to twenty years' imprisonment for the murder of Monsieur Gouffray. Erod has appealed. Erod's appeal fails, and he is guillotined on the 3rd of February, 1891. Gabrielle spends the majority of her sentence at Nanterre, a female prison. She completes twelve years of her sentence and is released early in 1905 for good behaviour. She dies approximately twenty years later in relative obscurity. That concludes this episode of Murderous Mondays, the bloody trunk case. We very much hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy the show, we will be grateful if you could like or subscribe to our little channel. We upload five days a week. Mondays are murderous as we delve 
into the dark side of Regency and Victorian crime. Wednesdays are Wicked, where we pull together stories with a similar theme, such as Doctors of Death. Fridays are Frightful, where we look at crimes in a location, such as stories from the stage to murder and scandal in the aristocracy. Saturdays is Serial Killer Saturdays, where we investigate serial killer stories from the past. And Sundays is a bit of fun, with a unique mini murder mystery where you, the listener, have a chance to solve a murderous riddle. On the last Sunday of the month, we offer a two-hour compilation of stories based around a theme. Thank you again for watching and listening. This has been News of the Times, and I am Robin Coles.